Welcome, I'm Sirius Afshar, and this is the Wigo's Informal Economy Podcast, Social Protection. In this monthly podcast, we will discuss some of the most pressing issues related to the linkages between the informal economy and social protection, including the debates around the workers' health provision, pension schemes for older workers, as well as childcare systems and other social protection policies for informal workers in order to improve their livelihoods. And in this International Women's Day episode, we will discuss a very important topic for women informal workers childcare. As women are most often the primary responsible for looking after their children, without quality childcare services, they either have to forgo paid work or are less productive because they have to watch their children while trying to work. Childcare is vital, especially in the poorest households, as the earnings of women informal workers often represent a large share of one's family's income. In order to talk in more detail about childcare policies for informal workers, we invite two special guests this month. Our first guest is Laura Adati. Laura is a policy specialist on women's economic empowerment at the ILO Office for the United Nations in New York. She has coordinated policy work on care work, maternity protection and work family policies Our second guest returning to the podcast is Rachel Moussier. Rachel is the Deputy Director of the Social Protection Program at WIGO, where she also researches childcare policies for informal workers. Laura and Rachel are the co-authors of three policy briefs published by the ILO on childcare policies for informal workers. The briefs are being launched this week, and in this episode we discuss with them more in depth their third brief on models of childcare provision for informal workers. Without further ado, let's hear this month's episode on childcare models for informal workers in our edition for the International Women's Day. Laura and Rachel, welcome to our podcast. Thank you, a pleasure being here. Thanks, Sirius, it's good to be back. Right, so let's dive in as we prepare to mark the International Women's Day on the 8th of March. Why is childcare an important issue for the ILO, Laura? This year's International Women's Day is marking the 25th anniversary of the adoption of the Beijing Declaration and Platform for Action. And um, under a global team, uh, I am Generation Equality, Realizing Women's Rights. And the emphasis is indeed on accelerating action to realize gender equality and the empowerment of all women and girls everywhere by 2030. And this is just in 10 years. The ILO and WIGO policy series that we are launching today sends one key message. The childcare is essential to accelerate the achievement of gender equality at work. ILO research shows that work-related gender gaps have not seen any meaningful improvement uh, for the last 20 years, that there are a number of factors that are blocking equality in employment. But the one playing the largest role is unpaid care work. 
we found that there is an employment penalty that affects mothers living with children less than six years, and this penalty has increased significantly over the last 10 years. The unequal share of unpaid care work between women and men affects women's lives and also translates into multiple penalties, a wage penalty, a leadership penalty, a pension penalty, a job quality penalty, with many women working in informal economy as the only available work-family balance arrangement. So against this challenge, the ILO is calling for a need of set of laws and policies that can change these dynamics. And we argue with Vigo that the provision of quality childcare services is among the public investments, and I really would like to uh, underline the word investment instead of expenditure, with the highest transformative impact, present and future generation, and gender equality. So investing in universal quality childcare really can lead to both short and long-term social economic uh, returns, what we call the triple dividend. And this can lead to healthier and more educated children, more women able to engage in paid and formal work and also being able to earn um, regular and higher earnings. It also can lead to the creation of new sources of employment for women and men and so supporting the transition to the formal economy. And, and finally, I would like to add that since the gap in childcare provision reinforces multiple dimensions of inequalities such as gender, class, ethnicity, disability, migrant status. Childcare is also one of the most important interventions to address inequality in human development. So really in conclusion, for childcare to be a game changer, we need uh, an integrated approach to childcare services that consider the benefit to children, women workers, and childcare workers simultaneously. This is really at the heart of making quality childcare services a reality for all. Mm. Let's talk about the ILO Wego Breathe series. So what does this series on childcare for informed workers add to the resources already available from the ILO? For the celebration of uh, uh, of its centenary last year, the ILO, uh, as you mentioned, has published a wealth of reports and resources on care work, on formal economy and social protection that all are accessible on our website. But this new ILO Vigo policy brief series builds on this knowledge and highlights the urgent childcare needs of women workers in the informal economy and the important demands for decent working conditions of childcare workers and domestic workers, most of whom are women working in the informal economy. For instance, the first policy brief in the series um, uh, outlines the global scale of the problem, mentioning that close to 1 billion women are in the informal economy and the vast majority lack any support for childcare, either through a maternity benefit or a childcare grant or access to childcare services. And the lack of childcare support can really turn into, I would say, a catastrophic life event for what we have called in, in your former podcast, uh, the, the missing middle. So making families fall into poverty and exclusion. So we found that low-income women in the informal economy face two major obstacles. The first is the lack of quality childcare services for children between zero and six years and across the global south. 
For instance, the ILO estimates that the enrollment rates in childcare services for children between 0 and 3 is on average below 20% for the countries that have available data. And the second obstacle is the prohibitive cost of these services where they exist. So the pre-policy brief provide a policy package for governments, organizations of employers, uh, organizations of workers in both the formal and informal economy, and also early childhood development professionals, and offer policy lessons from country experiences in addressing the needs of workers in the informal economy, uh, how we can ensure quality childcare services, promoting decent working conditions for childcare workers. Hmm. So there were three policy briefs, and the third brief specifically outlines uh, typology of childcare services that are currently available to informal workers. Uh, Rachel, why was it important to do this? Yeah, we know from our other research studies that we go and from uh, the work at the ILO that many women informal workers are forced to bring their children with them to work or leave them with a relative or neighbor. What we know less about are the kind of childcare services some women informal workers are using. It's important to give visibility to the services available to start a conversation about how these can be improved and how public policies and investments can lead to better quality childcare services. So we draw on our discussions with uh, home-based workers, street vendors, market traders, and waste pickers on the childcare services they use in Ghana, South Africa, and Thailand. We also review research and evaluation reports of childcare services across several countries, including Bolivia, India, Indonesia, and Mexico. And these country experiences form the typology. So the different services included in the typology include both unregistered and registered home-based care services, private and public center-based care services, and cooperative and employer-provided childcare model. So it's quite diverse. Um, we look at the working conditions of childcare workers across these different models, and I think that's quite unique to the typology because few studies look at this, even within the early childhood development sector. Yet most of the childcare workers captured in, the, in this typology, as Laura mentions, are themselves women informal workers without any labor or social protection. I want to say that what's not included in a typology is childcare provided in one's home through a domestic worker. This is an important source of childcare provision for many households across the global south, but it's often too expensive for informal workers to hire a domestic worker to look after their own children, which is why we decided not to include it in the typology. Now, one point that I would like to know from you, Rachel, is what are the key barriers women informal workers face in accessing these different types of childcare services? I think Laura answered this question in part by citing some of the, the data. I, mean, I think the first point to consider is that these childcare services are often unavailable near informal workers' place of work, and their opening hours may not correspond to their working hours, which means that there's very little use of childcare services, even if they do exist. For example, street vendors and market traders may want a childcare service in and around city markets as they arrive early to sell their goods. However, the lack of urban planning provisions for childcare services 
means there are no safe spaces for women traders' children in the markets and on city streets. The second major barrier is that childcare services are inaccessible to workers due to high user fees. We cite an example of a waste picker in South Africa who explains that she has chosen to send her child to her neighbor's house who runs an unregistered childcare center because it's cheaper than the registered center, which she knows offers better quality. And I think a, a third barrier is a lack of trust in the childcare provider. This is as important as quality and, in fact, deeply linked to quality, but is often neglected in policy formulation. So women and formal workers are willing to forgo their earnings and bear the economic hardship this brings if they do not have a safe space to leave their children. The issue of trust is not simply about whether a service is unregistered or registered. It's also about the communication and level of engagement informal workers feel they have with the child care facilities and workers. Back to one issue that uh, the policy briefs talk about, they stress that child care is critical for women informal workers and that many child care workers and domestic workers who look after children are themselves women informal workers who don't have access to labor and social protection. What I would like to know from you, Laura, is what labor standards are important for childcare provision for workers in informal sector? Um, there are labor standards on social security, social protection floors that provide guidance on, to establish and maintain comprehensive social security systems, for instance, that provide essential basic guarantees such as health care, including maternity care and income security. And this is uh, very important and urgent because the ILO estimates that only 41% of mothers with newborns receive a maternity benefit, which means that over 800 million women in the informal economy uh, have little or no protection. And maternity protection is the precondition to gender equality at work. And uh, I would like to mention that the year 2020 is also marking the 20th anniversary of the adoption of the ILO Maternity Protection Convention 183, which calls for at least 14 weeks of paid maternity leave for all women. So this is very important also when we talk about child care, considering the maternity protection dimension. Then we have also the ILO transition from the informal to the formal economy recommendation that really addresses the exclusions of workers in the formal economy and includes the provision of access and affordable quality uh, childcare services as a mean to achieve gender equality and also promote the transition to the formal economy. And finally, international labor standards are also important uh, in efforts to guarantee decent work to care workers in the childcare sector. And this, as Rachel has mentioned, is crucial to reinforce the issue of trust because uh, quality of the service depends on the quality of interaction between the child and, and the care worker. So the importance of promoting the qualification, the professionalization and decent work of early childhood education personnel is important. And the ILO has adopted guidelines on this topic too. And also I would like to emphasize that the issue also of decent work for childcare workers is often overlooked in the debates around quality childcare services. 
and importantly, uh, these workers uh, are largely women, formal workers themselves, and the sector is characterized by low wages, lack of training, high turnover, uh, as also Rachel has mentioned, domestic workers play a key role in the provision of these services. And the ILO estimates that there are over 70 million domestic workers worldwide, and the majority are in the informal economy. The ILO Care Work and Care Jobs report has found that there is a link between the insufficient care provision and the extensive employment of domestic workers who play as a buffer also in, in compensating for the lack of childcare services. For this, the ILO has um, adopted a convention, the Domestic Worker Convention 189, uh, that outlines specific labor rights guarantees for domestic workers and um, that include the legal recognition of domestic workers as workers, uh, the establishment of employment contracts, access to social security. And I would like to underline the importance of the promotion and the realization of freedom of association and rights of collective bargaining also for uh, domestic workers. And also we are seeing that the rate of unionization among domestic workers uh, has, uh, has been increasing and it plays a key part on the improvement of uh, working condition and formalization of these workers. So. Just to conclude, we really hope that um, Policy Brief offers a platform uh, for worker uh, uh, organizations to use um, the legal instruments as basis for their demands uh, for quality universal childcare provision through social dialogue with governments and employers' organizations to improve the status and quality of, of childcare jobs as a key dimension of achieving quality of childcare services. Mm. Now, I'd, I'd like to go back to one point that you mentioned, Rachel, about the types of childcare uh, services. I would like to know about this question of uh, childcare workers. So, what type of childcare models best guarantee childcare workers' labor rights? We we know quality childcare services are expensive to run. Um, the highest costs for childcare service are staff salaries, rent, and utilities, and Due to their low and irregular earnings, the user fees informal workers can afford to pay simply do not cover the running costs of a quality childcare service. So the childcare services that offer the best care and provide decent work opportunities are those that benefit from sustainable financing, either through employer contributions or public subsidies or a mix of both, or are part of the public childcare system. So, for instance, the Sewa Cooperative Child Care Centers in Ahmedabad in India rely on public subsidies and profits from producer cooperatives to finance the centers over the long term. They, therefore, can offer a living wage and have a very low staff turnover. In Bolivia, another example is that the government is training and hiring more public child care workers and raising salaries to improve quality in the public childcare system. These workers now earn at least the minimum wage and are covered by the social security system. We would argue that public financing is important and makes a difference in terms of quality and decent work opportunities, whether a childcare service is home-based or center-based. I think the financing model is quite critical to questions around quality, but also as Laura has explained, quality is very 
closely linked to the quality of employment as well um, and the decent working conditions for childcare workers and domestic workers. Mm. Now, the future of work debates, both within and outside the ILO, the care economy is high on the agenda. What level of investment does the ILO estimate is needed to create decent work opportunities for women and men in the care economy? Uh, Laura. Thank you, Sirius. And absolutely, the care economy is high on the ILO agenda. And last year, ILO constituents adopted the ILO Centenary Declaration uh, for the Future of Work that calls for in investing in the care economy. And our research um, shows that good quality care employment that promotes of gender equality is driven by social justice principles and benefits all is both possible and, and feasible. And we try to demonstrate that by um, a macroeconomic simulation study into 2030 in 45 countries covering close 60% of the global population. And we estimated that if we want to achieve uh, the SDGs on health, education, decent work, and gender equality, it, it will enable the creation of 269 million new jobs in the care economy by the year 2030. And in order to achieve this, we will need to double the current public and private investment in care services. If we zoom on the childcare sector, the ILO estimates that 36 million jobs are needed uh, in childcare for children 0 to 5 years old to ensure quality and offer a living wage to childcare workers. With the current level of investment, we will only have 15.6 million new jobs by 2030. Instead, for high road to care work, the ILO proposes that an additional 20.4 million job opportunities need to be created, and this will involve an investment of $1.07 trillion. Seems a huge amount, but it only represents 1.1% of the global GDP in 2030. So it's really a matter of political priority. Mm. Now, what I would like to know from both of you is what are the main policy lessons that you can draw from this series on building quality childcare that can reach informal workers and their children? So, Rachel, can we start with you? I think I want to take the opportunity to stress the role of informal workers' organizations and trade unions in prioritizing childcare, including parental benefits, uh, maternity protections, child grants, and childcare services, as a labor rights issue for the entire movement. Too often, childcare is seen solely as a women workers' issue and not given the attention it requires despite the significant benefits of investing in quality public childcare for society. I mean, Laura mentioned the, the triple dividend at the beginning of this podcast, and I think that is so central to see why childcare is not just uh, a woman's labor rights issue. Second, informal workers' organizations and trade unions have a critical role to play in the early childhood development debates. The focus on child development needs too often eclipses the daily struggles their caregivers face in earning a living to sustain the household. Women informal workers must be part of efforts to define legislation and policies on child care service provision. These policies are emerging in many countries around the Global South, so there are 
opportunities to engage and to build alliances with feminist groups, women's rights organizations, and child rights organizations who are also calling for better quality childcare services. At the local level, we hear this, for instance, from street vendors and market traders in Accra, women informal workers also express a desire to be involved in the governance structures of childcare services. They want a voice at the decision-making table. This is where the cooperative model and childcare provision is so successful, as caregivers can be part of the governing board. But this is not necessarily limited to the cooperative model. Community-based public childcare services can also provide mechanisms for caregivers to participate in decisions that affect the quality and functioning of the child care service. Finally, uh, in regards to care workers, both child care workers and domestic workers, there must be uh, support to them to organize, bargain collectively, and gain greater visibility and voice. Though there are different forms of informal and formal employment within the child care sector, there is a common struggle for a living wage, access to social protection, and decent working conditions that could shape and raise, lift up the working conditions within the sector. This will have a significant impact on gender equality and women's employment, as this is a highly feminized and labor-intensive sector. So as Laura mentioned, unionization rates among domestic workers is rising and we look to the International Domestic Workers Federation and national domestic workers unions and associations that are so central to building this movement. Laura, do you want to jump in now? Absolutely. This series uh, makes the case for a high road to care work and builds on, on the ILO 5-hour framework for decent care work. Recognize, reduce and redistribute unpaid care work through gender-responsive care policies and services, reward paid care work by promoting more and decent work for care workers, as we already discussed, and guarantee care workers' representation, social dialogue, and collective bargaining. So one of the important policy lessons um, that we draw um, is really the important role of the states in setting an integrated framework of transformative laws and policies, in creating this uh, regulatory framework under which the different care arrangements can can be implemented according to the different needs, and and ensuring then that this effective implementation of these laws in, in an inclusive way, making sure that no one is left behind. And then also the important role of the states is around creating the fiscal space for uh, universal and sustainable quality child care services that are part of a universal social protection system that, as we mentioned earlier, simultaneously benefit children, women workers and child care workers. And we've seen that when this public financing is limited, the quality suffers. So really an important policy lesson is the role of the state in investing in training of professional and professionalization of care workers and also building paths of formalization on the uh, labor and social protection for child care workers. Uh, to conclude, I would like to ask you both why is it important to talk about childcare policies for all in a month when we celebrate the International Women's Day? Um, Rachel, maybe you can start. Childcare is, for the reasons Laura's explained around uh, women's unequal responsibility for uh, childcare in their homes, in their communities, 
that this work is often unpaid or underpaid, and that it is often women who do this, who take care of children, who both in providing direct care, but also taking cooking and cleaning. And these are all forms, these are all activities that support uh, child care. And their disproportionate responsibility for this leads to inequalities. It means women have less time to engage in paid work. It means that they break up their working day. We know that for street vendors, for instance, they miss key uh, selling hours because they have to take care of their children. So I think the implication of this unequal distribution of childcare within the homes and also with the state is that women carry this burden alone. And though children can be a source of joy uh, and fulfillment, the responsibility when it is shouldered primarily by women, particularly women who are struggling already to earn a living, then it leads to a multitude of inequalities for the women themselves, but also inequalities for children who are growing up with fewer access to, to resources, to stimulation, to education, to nutrition. And the repercussions of that are felt generations and generations on. Um, and I think breaking the cycle is so critical. And it's not just a case of shifting gender norms between women and men. It requires public investment and it requires the prioritization from governments, but also prioritization within the labor movement and alliances with feminist and women's rights organizations and child rights organizations. And I think that can bring the transformation that we, we aim for when we talk about um, gender equality, when we, when we celebrate International Women's Day. It's in part recognizing all of the labor that women do already, but then also saying that that labor should be more fairly distributed and shared between women and the state in terms of a quality public childcare provision. That was so beautifully put by Rachel, and um, I can um, only agree and reinforce those messages. Childcare is really one of the most effective interventions to achieve the sustainable development goals, reducing inequalities and promoting the formalization of workers in the informal economy. So we hope that um, a reflection in, around this uh, International Women's Day will really help us joining forces from different movements and the stakeholders to put more emphasis on the need for more quality, decent care jobs. Uh, I think we can all agree that care workers deserve the best and we want the best for those who take care to our loved ones. Uh, Laura and Rachel, thank you very much and congratulations for the excellent uh, research work on these briefs. Thank you, Sirius. Thank you, Sirius. And if you want to learn more about Laura's and Rachel's research on childcare models and frameworks, we will leave links to the three policy briefs at the description of the episode. We will also leave there other references on the topic for those who want to further explore the issue. We invite you to listen to our podcast episode number four with Rachel Moussier on the more fundamental debates around childcare for informal workers. 
and also to listen to our podcast episode number 10 with Christina Barron from the ALO about the future of work and the missing middle. And of course, if you like our show, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. I am Sirius Afshar, and this was the Wigos Informal Economy Podcast, Social Protection. See you next month.